Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Today, a special crossover episode as myself, Tony Cardasco, and John Chick of Locked On New York Rangers chop it up. All right, so welcome back, New York Ranger fans, as well as Vegas Golden Knights fans. We got a special crossover edition for you guys here today. This is John Chick with Locked On New York Rangers, joined by Tony Cordasco of Locked On Golden Knights. Tony, how are we doing today, buddy? Terrific, man. It's great to see you again. Yeah, you too. You know, it was just a lot of fun the first time. And, you know, lo and behold, both of our teams are on top of their respective divisions now. And, you know, I wanted to ask you about the Knights. I, I know that, you know, they had a rally fall a little bit short against the Predators last night. They lose three to two. But, uh, you know, they've been great lately after a little bit of a slow start to the season. I mean, is this team back? Are you seeing a team that, you know, could make a championship run as was kind of the goal coming into the season for Vegas? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, again, it just depends on the health of this team because uh, currently Mark Stone is out. Uh, Max Pacioretty is out. Uh, Max uh, has uh, wrist. He had wrist surgery last week. And then you had Robin Leonard, who hadn't played since the Islander game. You know, he got hit in the chest and he's been out. And, uh, you know, they they really have uh, struggled, I think. Uh, to some degree, as far as getting consistency and sooner or later, right, all those injuries are going to add up. And that's, I think, what happened uh, the past two games for the Golden Knights, the Winnipeg game. I mean, you know, you score four goals on Hellebuck and you don't win the game. That was difficult. Right. And then uh, they come back against the Predators. I got to tell you, I'm impressed with the Predator team. And in that game, and and here's a big statistic, uh, every game, the Golden Knights are getting out hit. And in the game against the Predators this week, 55 hits by the Preds, 55 hits uh, by Nashville. That's going to take its toll. And I'm not just thinking about the regular season. I'm thinking about the postseason, especially in a seven-game series. But they've definitely cooled off of late, the Golden Knights. It's funny you mentioned the Predators because the Rangers actually played them uh, twice earlier in the season. They split with the Preds. But I'm just as impressed as you are with that team. I mean, they just punish you for the entire game. And I remember, you know, the one game that the Rangers won against them, it was one of the more gratifying victories of the season to just take a beating against this big, tough physical team and, uh, you know, still come away with two points. But I'm with you, man. I I think that's a team that a lot of people are sleeping on that could be very dangerous uh, come playoff time. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I noticed in that game against Nashville was just that the Predators kept the Golden Knights on the outside. Well, what we saw with the Rangers and their formula against Edmonton, what do they do? They kept the Oilers out of the paint, right? And they kept them outside. So I think if the Rangers could do that against VGK, they'll be in business. And then again, just start hitting the snot out of them. I think that, you know, this is a finesse team. It really is. And uh, I was just really concerned, you know, about after the Anaheim game, uh, the Golden Knights had three fights in that game. And the three fights is that's a career tops. They've never had three fights in a game, you know, and two by Braden McNabb. But if teams continue to roughhouse the Golden Knights, they're going to take them out of their game or they're just going to flat out wear them down. There's no enforcer. Ryan Reeves is with the Rangers, as we know. 
And there's, there's no one to step in there and just, you know, mix it up. And I think it's going to hurt them. And they're just too finesse for me. And uh, against Nashville, Nashville just was really, they dominated the game and they played in their own offensive zone for most of the first period of play. And then they just simply, I, I felt wore down the Golden Knights. It was three to nothing. And then the Golden Knights came back with two late goals. But I'll tell you what, man, if teams continue to pound them, they're they're going to be in some trouble, I believe. And this, of course, there'll be a different team, a different team with the presence of a Max Pacioretty, you know, and a Mark Stone. And, um, you know, we're, we're just hoping that Eichel gets back here. And they're saying sometime this month he'll join the team now. Um, he won't play immediately, obviously. The, the plan is still the same, maybe late February or into March. But uh, he'll be back with the team. And then, you know, then I think you have more firepower to, but they have to get tougher. Do you think that could be a point of emphasis? Because obviously, you know, again, both of our teams are on top of their divisions, looking like they could be buyers. And the trade deadline's still a couple of months away here. But, I mean, is there anybody that the Knights could, like, call up from the minors? Or is there anybody that, you know, do, do you think that they could make a trade and maybe add a, a physical piece or two to this team to kind of complement the, the skill that they have? Yeah, it would be nice to have a goon in there. It, it really <laughs> would. But, you yeah. know, uh, I mean, once Eichel gets back, they have massive uh, salary cap uh, problems then because uh, then they're going to have to clear $10 million off the books, you know, to take his place. And uh, they've been doing a good job with playing uh, salary cap gymnastics, you know, lately and, you know, moving some players around and all of that, but it's going to come back and it, it's going to be really challenging for them. And there's a number of players that they've talked about that perhaps they could trade Riley Smith, his contracts up, Five million. Love the guy. I think he does it. He brings it every night. You know, he, he's a good player. Heart and soul. Part of the misfit line. Shea Theodore, you know, could be another casualty. Um, you know, Evgeny Dodonov might be someone that goes. And uh, they're, they're just talking about a lot of different options because they're going to have to clear some space. And they're going to have to – they don't have any room to bring in, you know, a big enforcer right now. Uh, and they thought that Keegan Colasar might be might have been that guy, but he's not a great fighter. I, Reeves Reeves tried to teach him how to fight, but it, I don't think it worked. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned Riley Smith, and he's somebody that I've kind of been doing this thing on my show. I'm going to eventually have an episode where I kind of read emails from the listeners and everybody's different trade ideas and whatnot. And I've heard Riley Smith's name come up a couple of times. And, you know, at first you hear Riley Smith and it's like, well, why would the Knights trade anybody away? Because, you know, they're a contending team and they're trying to win a cup this year. But to your point, Tony, you know, they do have some salary cap issues. Um, could you, I mean, is he going to be the guy that ends up getting moved in your estimation? You mentioned a couple of different players, but I think he'd be a great fit on the Rangers because they've had a little bit of a revolving door on the second line right wing spot. And I think he could step in there and do a nice job. But I mean, do you think Riley Smith ends up getting moved by this team uh, before the deadline? I, I just, I hope not. You know, he does yeah. a lot in the community and we've gotten to know him a bit from him doing uh, this softball game over the summer a charity game that he does uh, with the Golden Knights against the Raiders. And he's just so active in our community and it would be a tough loss, but uh, he could be one of the options that they move. And uh, like, and then we've got William Carlson who I, I mean, for some reason, they just love this guy. They embrace him. He scores a goal, you know, in the game uh, against Nashville and he kicks it in off of his skate like accidentally, which, you know, and it was 100th career goal with the Golden Knights. We well, have 43 the first season. Then he's been like crickets pretty much 
you know, the rest of the way. And with Eichel coming back, I still don't want to break up the first line. I still have Stevenson there. I still on the second line, I, I, I on the second line, I still say put Eichel there, put Eichel on the second line and then move Carlson down to the third. And they did move him around and they had him, you know, out there with Yanmark and uh, Dodonov. They moved him like pretty much, I thought, a demotion, you know, down to the third line in the game against Nashville. And so there's a lot of options. They have a lot of players, I think, that could be expendable. Uh, they just want to make sure that they have all the right pieces and they don't want to see happen what happened against Colorado last year in the pivotal game that was for the President's Cup, basically, where they only suited up, I think, what, 15 players and because of salary cap issues, you can't, that cannot happen again. Like you can't have Jack Eichel and then the top line and the misfit line and then no one else. Like the bottom six is going to definitely, uh, they're going to struggle, I think, as a result of it. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there as far as how to kind of, you know, slot Jack Eichel into the lineup. I don't think you can move uh, Stevenson, g- given the, the the season that he's been having. And Carlson, you know, it's weird with him because I, I feel like he hit, he set the bar so high for himself in that first season that he was with Vegas and was maybe playing a little bit over his head and now just can't quite live up to that. I mean, is that kind of the long and short of it? You obviously watch the Knights a lot more often than I do, so. Yeah, I, too much. I need therapy. But, you know, uh, with, with, with Carlson, with Carlson, I, I mean, I just have this uh, sort of love-hate relationship because I say, what does he do for the team? And then the fans tell me he's a 200-foot player. That's all they say. 200-foot player. They don't know what that means some of the time. And especially, you know, this is a – it's an organization at its infancy. And then people are just like – they just repeat what everyone else says. But I don't know quite what that means. He's starting to win faceoffs again, so that's some value there. But, I mean, he just has four goals. Uh, he's been injured back and forth. Okay, we get that. Uh, they said, you know, that he's been working late after practice. Great, you know, and everything else. But Bill Foley just loves this guy for some reason. I am not, like, a, a big fan just based on the fact that uh, if they're paying him, you know, good money, uh, what, five, six million a year, He's got to produce. He's got to score. I like there's I don't want to hear 200 foot player again. And then, you know, part of the finesse of this team is right there. William Carlson. And um, the other night I caught him puck watching, you know, in the Winnipeg Jet game. They had three cracks at the goal and they put it in. He just standing there. Um, I don't know. Like he he can't roughhouse it. He's way too finesse. So it's interesting. And again, I think Pete DeBoer has just done a fantastic job. I wasn't like the biggest fan of uh, Peter DeBoer before the start of this season in particular, because again, like, you know, when this, when this organization began, everyone was all in on Gerard Gallant. And, and so I wasn't the biggest fan of Peter DeBoer, but he's definitely done a really good job with this team and a different lineup every night. You know, you have to give him a lot of credit. There's a lot of respect there, I think for him. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we'll continue uh, breaking down this matchup in just a second, Tony. But first, I just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers and of Locked On Golden Knights is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowl season and the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. 
from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online, where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Golden Knights your first listen. It's free and available on all platforms. Now back to more on the crossover edition as myself, Tony Cardasco, and John Chick of Locked On New York Rangers talk about tonight's game. And uh, Tony, you know, kind of getting back to uh, previewing this matchup here. I, anytime there's one of these crossovers, I always got to check in with former Rangers. And I meant to ask you about Brett Howden last time. You know, he's somebody that kind of, drew the ire of Ranger fans because the Rangers, you know, they, they went into that rebuild. They send Ryan McDonough and JT Miller to Tampa. They get back, you know, a handful of players, a couple of draft picks, and it just did not work out with Brett Howden in New York. I mean, that's basically the long and short of it. Um, he ends up in Vegas. He goes there for a fourth-round draft pick. Uh, I looked at his stats. He's got nine points in 24 games, so not spectacular, although he did kind of haunt the Rangers in their previous matchup. Uh, what have you seen from him? And any, Anything you can share with uh, the Ranger fans about Brett Howden? I just think a complimentary piece, and I, I don't think we really expected much out of him, to be honest with you. I just think uh, that that's a player that they really wanted. Uh, they, they just wanted him to to be that complimentary piece, and uh, he has uh, he's been out with COVID as well. So he's another player that's been in and out of the lineup. And uh, I don't know. I don't, I mean, there's just no great feel one way or the other, you know, about how, and I think that he, he's just playing a part and a complimentary role. Yeah. He did a decent job for the Rangers on the penalty kill, became a pretty valuable uh, member of that unit over the last couple of seasons. But as far as like the scoring and the offensive prowess, it was just never really there. And uh, I guess it's, for the most part, it's basically been more of the same uh, with Vegas. You know, you mentioned COVID a second ago, and I wanted to ask you, um, how hard or how lightly have the Knights been hit uh, by this? Have, have they had a lot of players going on the COVID list in and out of the lineup? Because uh, there's certain teams in the league that, I mean, they're just getting killed by it. So, I mean, how, how has it gone so far with Vegas? Not bad. You know, uh, Peter DeBoer uh, was on the COVID list, and then uh, we saw Petrangelo and Dodonoff, and they – they came back. I mean, this, this organization, I think everyone's like, Oh, they get no breaks at all. Well, they cut the, uh, the COVID, you know, time in isolation down from 10 days to five. And so, you know, you get back, you know, Petrangelo and get back to Donoff and, and then DeBoer wasn't out very late. We talked about Howden, but the Golden Knights uh, also benefit with the fact that they don't have to take the Canadian trip, you know, up, uh, up North to Calgary. Uh, and there's another game. There were two games, and so they benefited, and they wound up now having to play eight games straight at home. They have eight games in a row, and so they won't even leave Las Vegas until January the 20th. You know, the games will catch up later on. They'll have to be on the road a lot but right now, but they can't stack up wins. So, you know, on home ice, they've already lost more games at home uh, this season than last. Yeah, and for the Rangers, I mean, they've been pretty lucky for the most part, too. I mean, they had about four players on the list at the same time not too long ago, and uh, I have not seen an update on Artemi Panarin. He's missed the last couple of uh, games being on the list, but I think the encouraging thing, if, if you're a Ranger fan, is the very simple fact that even without Panarin, you know, they 
beat the Tampa Bay Lightning twice, and they beat the Edmonton Oilers uh, on the second game of a back-to-back. So they're they're really rolling right now. And, um, you know, they had a couple of guys out. Georgiev was on the list. Um, Ryan Lindgren, uh, who is... I would say probably the most underrated player on the Rangers. He plays with Adam Fox, so he tends to get overshadowed a little bit, understandably so. Um, and, and Kevin Rooney, an important fourth line player. He's, he's been back. He got back in the last game as well. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed, uh, Tony, that both of our teams stay relatively lucky uh, as it pertains to the COVID list. Because, you know, like we were just talking about, there have been teams this season that have had to basically go out there with, with half their roster missing. And uh, sounds like that has not happened thus far for the uh, the Rangers and the Knights. But, I wanted to ask you also uh, the goalie matchup. Uh, who are we going to see uh, in net for the Knights? Would you would you guess in this game? Well, my guess would be that Robin Leonard, you know, will be back. He was back on the ice this week, and uh, he should be back. Uh, Laurent Brassois, you know, was filling in. He was going for his, uh, I think, sixth consecutive start, uh, and you could tell he was starting to wear down. So in the game against Nashville, they brought up Logan Thompson from the AHL. And so he was in that, but I think it'll be Robin Leonard. How about for the, uh, the Rangers? How is Shesterkin doing? I mean, he's the man. He, he was out, uh, you know, with a minor injury for a little while. And uh, you got to give props to Alex Georgiev. Georgiev really, really struggled for the Rangers early in the season. And he might be one of those guys that he can't just play once every two weeks and produce good results because that's basically what was happening. Uh, he was getting lit up early in the season when he was in a backup role. But when Igor went down and it's kind of like, okay, well, you're going to be the man for the next couple of weeks here. Uh, he was absolutely fantastic. And he was fantastic in this most recent game against the Edmonton Oilers. He made just a ridiculous highlight reel save against Connor McDavid at a really important part in the game. Uh, a point blank stop there. Uh, but with all that said, I think it's going to be back to Igor. Uh, Georgie played most recently, and I, I mean, there's no reason not to play Igor Shesterkin, uh, given that he sat for the last game. He's having a Vesna-worthy season. I will say, and this is something that I mentioned in a recent episode, the Raiders have an opportunity if they want, because Igor Shesterkin has had a couple of injuries since coming into the league, and given where the Rangers are in the standings, you know, they're, they're up there, and it's not like they're a fringe playoff team right now. You combine that with the fact that Alex Georgiev has played well. If the Rangers want to, they can scale back Igor's workload just a little bit. I wouldn't go nuts with it. I still think he should get the bulk of the games. But I'm going to be very, very interested to see how they kind of divvy up the playing time going forward. But for this one, I think for sure it'll be Igor Shesterkin, and uh, the Rangers will basically look to just keep rolling here. Thanks for making Locked On Golden Knights your first listen. It's free and available on all platforms. Now back to the crossover. I'm Tony Cardasco, and our guest today, John Chick of Locked On New York Rangers. Special teams, I want to talk to you about Chris Kreider. Does he really have 12 power play goals? Yes, he does, and nearly every single one of them is a tip-in goal right there from the doorstep. It's crazy. He got another one in this last game against the Oilers. Um, he has become... You know, it, it's something that he's always been good at, but over these la- the last season or two, he has become an elite net front presence in the NHL. I mean, if there's somebody better at, at this role and somebody better at tipping in goals from the doorstep on the power play, I'd love to see who it is because I, I can't believe there's too many players that are better at that role right now than Chris Kreider is. Um, just He's somebody that's always been a streaky player, and, and this year at the age of either 29 or 30, 
he's finally put it all together and he's become like a consistent scoring machine night in and night out. And maybe that has something to do with coaching. Maybe Gerard Gallant knows how to push the right buttons, but it's been a pleasure to watch this season. And uh, he's been a huge, huge part of that power play unit for the Rangers. And you have complete buy-in now for Gerard Gallant, it appears. One of my biggest questions here in Las Vegas is, will VGK, because of the way that they got rid of Gallant, uh, will they do like a tribute video to welcome him back? That is going to be so interesting. There's a game within the game. Peter DeBoer, you know, was asked about the return of Gallant and Reeves. And he said, you know, I think we got a little bit settled down in New York. No, (laughs) this is going to be much different here in Las Vegas. And you know that Gallant and Reeves want this more than anything you would have to believe, right? Oh, absolutely. And it's funny. I was going to ask you the same question. If, if Vegas, in your estimation, would be preparing any kind of, you know, like a tribute video or, you right. know, maybe they'll just put them on the screen and say, hey, Gerard Gallant's back. Everybody go crazy. I mean, I got to believe that from the fans, he's going to get a warm reception. I mean, taking an expansion team to the Stanley Cup finals. And um, I, to your point earlier, Tony, we were talking about this Um I'm sure there's fans there that never even wanted him fired in the first place. And, and Peter DeBoer's done a great job. But, uh, yeah, just kind of an unceremonious uh, dismissal of Gerard Gallant. And I, I think he's going <laughs> to be received quite well from that Vegas crowd there. Yeah, we had Nick Cousins come in. It's the reunion tour, you know, earlier this week with the Predators. And then we'll have Gallant uh, coming in with Reeves. And then uh, Marc-Andre Fleury might just give the organization the middle finger. It's going to be such an interesting week, you know, with everyone coming back and the way that, Marc-Andre Fleury found out about the trade via social media and with Gallant getting fired and holy smokes, they'll do. I mean, everyone here, if you look in the crowd at a Golden Knights game, like I think maybe a half or a third of the fans still have Fleury jerseys on, you know, when you go to every game. So that's going to be interesting. But with Gerard Gallant and him and DeBoer didn't get along. And I remember Gallant, you know, called him a clown and some other things. Uh, I, I and Ryan Reeves is going to be chirping the entire night and you know he doesn't want to overstep you know the boundaries because he still loves this community still wants to invest in this community but I don't know they, they have to do a tribute video uh, for Gallant he meant a lot to the organization whether the upstairs folks you know for VGK like it or not they're going to have to do something to honor him because he did a great job here and again he brought him to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, I would imagine mostly a positive reception from from everybody involved with the Vegas Knights there. I mean, obviously, like you mentioned, uh, maybe differing philosophies with some of the people in the front office and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, you can't argue with the results. I mean, an expansion team to the finals, it, it's pretty crazy. Um, is there anybody that, uh, that, you know, maybe Ranger fans should keep an eye on, somebody that's not necessarily a household name, somebody that's a little bit under the radar uh, in this game here tonight, anybody that's kind of caught your eye recently? Well, I mean, Matias Janmark has played pretty well, uh, and he's been consistent. And uh, the Nashville game was the first time in four games that he didn't score a goal. And so he had, you know, uh, four goals in three games. And, you know, he's just played really well. And I I just like, you know, the way that he played. They did move uh, William Carrier to the top line um, for more of a physical presence. He's not known as a scorer. Um, but that experiment didn't seem to go terrific. And Carrier brings it every night and he'll play physical. But uh, I would have to say probably Matias Janmark. How about with the Rangers? Who's got the hot stick? So it's actually Barclay Goodrow, who, I mean, with him, I mean, you think of him as like a defense first forward, which, I mean, he is. But 
recently he's he's all of a sudden he's making all these great passes. He's really kind of found the scoring touch. He's uh, on the score sheet just about every single night. Part of that is they have moved him up the lineup. He's now playing on the second line. They've had a little bit of a makeshift second line the last couple of games. You've had Ryan Strom centering Alexi Lafreniere and uh, Barclay Goodrow. When Panarin gets back into the lineup, um, obviously he's going to go back there to his normal spot in the second line. But I could see Barclay Goodrow maybe sticking around with them. Uh, with Panarin and Strom, it seems like they really appreciate the opportunity to play with like a grinder and a physical player. And Barclay Goodrow obviously brings that. Um, but even beyond the scoring, you know, I mean, he's a huge part of the penalty kill, forces a lot of turnovers. Just a solid, solid player. Somebody that, you know, if the Rangers are up by a goal, you want this dude on the ice protecting that lead late in the game. So, uh, yeah, very, very much looking forward to seeing what Barclay Goodrow can do. Uh, bring in, you know, a two-time Stanley Cup champion in the offseason in their uh, bid to get a lot more tougher and a lot more physical. And uh, he's done all that, and now all of a sudden he's, he's putting up points too. So can't really ask for much more for Barclay Goodrow, at least in uh, recent games here. How in the world did Ryan Reeves steal the puck from Connor McDavid? <laughs> I don't know, man. Re- <laughs> what was that? I, I've never seen him skate that fast. Reeves is full of surprises, man. You know, it, it's it's very easy to think of him as the enforcer and the goon, but uh, he's got two of the nicest assists on the Rangers this entire season. He, he's made a couple of really nice passes. He can surprise you every now and then, you know, and I, I think when he's out there, everybody's like, oh, man, it's, it's this wrecking ball. I got to watch out for him. And then the next thing you know, you know, a, a little spin move and a nice pass. And uh, every once in a while, he, he can ship in that way. He's still looking for his first goal. Uh, but, I mean, I, I love what Ryan Reeves has brought to the table here. It finally feels like the Rangers have a bona fide fourth line that goes out there and plays like a fourth line. And he's obviously a huge, huge part of that for the Rangers. Yeah, Gallant doesn't care if he scores or not. It's just his presence, and he skates hard, and he's going to bring it every night. And he's fun to have around as well. And then the last time I spoke to you, uh, Lafreniere was in the doghouse with Gerard Gallant. He played a few mind games with him, and it appears as though now Lafreniere has settled in. Yeah, no, he's he's coming out of it a little bit. And I, I think part of it is, um, you know, again, a little bit of a move up the lineup. He's been playing on the left wing on the uh, second line there. Over the last three games, he's got two goals and one assist. Now, both of his goals are fairly uh, mundane. They're not like highlight reel goals. At uh, least he one... didn't kick it in. He didn't kick it into the net, did he? No, you know, he didn't break... kick it in. But okay, uh, break the streak. But but he had uh, basically a wide open net both times. The first one, uh, you had Julian Gauthier pressuring. Uh, who was the goalie? Uh, was it Vasilevsky? I think it was against Tampa Bay. Tampa, um, right? Yeah, but basically uh, forced them into forced the goalie into a mistake, and then Lafreniere intercept uh, intercepted the goalie's pass, put it into the net, and then um, in this most recent game, Strom pressured the goalie, pressured Koskinen, and got the puck away from him, put it in front, and Lafreniere was there. So, I mean, critics of Lafreniere might kind of roll their eyes out. Oh, well, anybody can score on that, but hey, you know what? He's still hustling into the zone. He's still getting into the right position, and uh, you know, receiving the pass and, and putting it into the net. So. Yeah, I mean, Lafreniere has definitely stepped up recently, and you just hope that it's a sign of things to come. Him and Kako have both shown flashes this season. I think Ranger fans would like to see them become more consistent, but uh, that's when this team gets really, really scary, if Kako and Lafreniere start living up to the hype, because, you know, we know we're going to get from Panarin and Zibanejad and Kreider and Fox, but when those two guys can really reach that next level, uh, I think that's when you've really got something if you're a Ranger fan. Yeah, Las Vegas fans are asking, you know, about Panarin, and he won't be playing, unfortunately, but uh, we haven't seen him, you know, play here. So I, I don't believe, well, it's been a while. So, but yeah, I mean, uh, he's definitely someone that's exciting. And I think 
uh, the Vegas fans would enjoy, you know, watching his game. And uh, Mika, you know, in that first meeting was pretty good. Uh, and again, the uh, Marcia's so goal in uh, on penalty shots is what was the deciding factor, you know, in the meeting against uh, the Rangers and, you know, special teams. Now I told you earlier in the season, VGK was 0 for 19. That's how they started out. They're currently in an 0 for 12 slump. They figured things out there for a while and now nothing doing on the, uh, the power play. And uh, man, uh, what about Edmonton? That's what I wanted to ask you. Are they Dunsville? Uh, like uh, you saw them the, the other night and, you know, they got off to that hot start and everyone here in the Pacific division is wondering about them. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say for sure. I wouldn't say that they're done. I mean, there's, there's just too much talent on that team, but they are a little bit top heavy, right? You know, you've got McDavid and then you've got dry and then it's kind of like, all right, well, who's going to step up beyond that. And I, I think something that's been an issue for them is goaltending. I have never been a Mike Smith guy at all. I mean, even when he was at his best, I thought he was like at least a little bit overrated and he's getting, he's getting, he's getting up there. He's pushing 40, I believe. Uh, Koskinen's all right, but I don't know. I think that they are missing at least a few complimentary pieces. Um, you know, you can't just rely on one or two players to carry your team. Uh, we, we saw that last season, you know, the drives idol and McDavid, they put up these amazing numbers in, in the regular season playoffs roll around and they get bumped pretty quick every year. It seems like so. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the solution is for them. I wouldn't say that they're done, but yeah, you know, the Rangers pretty much had their way with them. It was great to see. And VGK, you know, they had against Nashville, their streak of scoring three or more goals in 14 straight games. Um, and, you know, they've been doing a good job of scoring. They just can't get back defensively. And then the glue guy has been Alex Petrangelo with Alec Martinez being out this season. And uh, I just think, you know, that's an er- another area. They just have not been defending very well. Uh, can the Rangers take advantage of that? Uh, I think they can because, you know, the Rangers have really uh, been scoring a lot of goals recently. And that top line has caught fire. I mean, Kako is slowing down a little bit. But Mika and Kreider, it's weird because recently – it's been a little bit of a role reversal. It seems like in recent games, Kreider's been setting up Mika for goals, whereas earlier in the season, it was uh, very much the opposite of that. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of Rangers that have really kind of caught fire recently. Every single night, it seems like Adam Fox ends up with two assists. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if Vegas is struggling defensively, I think that could be a, a recipe for the uh, the Rangers to, to put up some goals because they've been scoring lately. You know, they, they've got, I, I think... Um, they have three straight games of scoring exactly four goals, and the game before that, they scored three goals. So they've been they've been putting the puck in the net for sure. Um, but do you want to – I figure we can wrap up with this, Tony. Do you want to throw out a prediction for this game, a final score, anybody to get on the score sheet, anything big to happen in this game here? Well, I, I just think, you know, again, and I don't think that they've solved everything with Carlson. I just think he had one game, and he – wound up kicking the puck into the net <laughs> and he finally broke through. It was his 100th goal. That's great for him. And uh, just, to, I think his fourth goal of the season. Uh, but I don't think it will be him. I think if you look to, to anyone, I think it could be a Yan Mark that steps it up. Chandler Stevenson has cooled off a little bit. And so I would just want to see how, because I mean, every night he doesn't have Pacioretty. He doesn't have stone next to him. Like every night there's someone new. Now there's Carrier, you know, uh, sooner or later, I think he's going to break through. And I, I'd have to say it'll either be Yanmark or it could be Chandler Stevenson. How about you? Yeah, I mean, as far as like a final score, I know the, the Knights got the Rangers earlier this season, three to two in the shootout. I think the Rangers are going to win by that fi- by that same final score. 
and uh, put up a three to two win in overtime. And I think maybe Adam Fox gets the game winner, taking advantage of, uh, you know, the the extra real estate that comes with three on three overtime. I know that's an oddly specific prediction there, but uh, I'm going to look great if it actually ends up happening. Yeah, no, I'm I'm leaning towards the Rangers side just because, again, it's that physical presence and, you know, playing physical and what they did against Edmonton, if they can just replicate that against the Golden Knights, keep them on the outside because that's exactly what Nashville did. And it took uh, VGK a while to wake up in that game. I think it'll be low scoring 4-3, 3-2, somewhere in that vicinity too. And I think the Rangers could pull out a win and a big emotional return for Gerard Gallant. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Like we said, you know, it's a clash between two first place teams here and uh, clearly a prediction of the Stanley Cup finals as well. So uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed for that. But uh, yeah, Tony, this was a ton of fun, man. And uh, we'll definitely have to do this again at some point uh, down the road here. Thank you so much, man. And uh, should be a great game. And I hope that a lot of Ranger fans come here, people that I can catch up with. Absolutely. And uh, Ranger fans, Knight fans, uh, thanks for tuning in as always. And we'll uh, catch you guys next time. Thanks for making Locked On Golden Knights your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It is free and available on all platforms. Thanks again to John Chick of Locked On New York Rangers. That was a lot of fun today on the crossover. We'll see you again tomorrow right here on Locked On Golden Knights.